Well, hello and welcome to uh, First Baptist Church worship service. Uh, we're so glad to have you here today. Uh, whether you are a member of First Baptist Church or whether you are a visitor here and have found this um, broadcast, we are certainly happy that you have chosen to watch us and uh, to be part of our worship service. We, of course, uh, for the past several weeks, have met uh, virtually online. And uh, so that's been going very well. We have our services on Sunday morning. And then we also have a Bible study on Wednesday, even at 7 p.m. And also our Sunday school is doing really good. Uh, we have an adult class and uh, it's being very, very well attended. And so we invite you to join with us on that. If you need more information, you can contact me. My name is Rob Wines. I'm the pastor of Freedom Baptist Church. And uh, I would be glad to assist you in any way to uh, take part in those virtual online Bible studies. Uh, we do have a couple announcements before we get into our music and also the message for today. And first of all, uh, next week happens to be Mother's Day. I don't know. It's kind of crept up on us. Seems like it's earlier in the year, but uh, yes, it's Mother's Day. And so traditionally, we have always uh, taken our offering on that day and donated it and given it to the Baptist Children's Home. And so we are going to continue with that tradition. And so next week on the 10th, if you uh, send in your uh, tithe or your giving to the Baptist Children's Home, we'll make sure it gets to them. In fact, we'll be taking that offering up that whole week. So anytime during the 10th to the 17th, uh, money you will give will go to the Baptist Children's Home. And of course, you can always on your check uh, or if you have an offering envelope, designate uh, that your money go toward the Baptist Children's Home. And, it certainly is a uh, very worthy uh, uh, ministry for us to support, and we love doing that. Also, I want to bring to your attention the fact that I, I believe it's Thursday, May 7th, is a National Day of Prayer. And we certainly as a church want to join in on that and lift our voices to the Lord on that day in uh, synchronization or together with all the other uh, believing Christians who are uh, going to be taking a part of that. And our nation needs our prayers, not just for the coronavirus situation, but also spiritually. Uh, I don't know about you, but I've not really seen as much interest in spiritual things as I thought maybe this situation would bring about. So let's be careful and uh, join in prayer whenever we can for our nation. And not only our nation, but of course, our local communities and our uh, church ministries and uh, our church finding and, and trying to find new ways to reach out with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we pray that you will uh, join with us. In fact, we ask that you would pray with us now as we pray for our church and the opening of this service and just for God's will to be done at Freedom Baptist Church. Let's go ahead and pray now. Father, we thank you for this opportunity uh, to join in prayer. And I know that there are people who are watching this uh, throughout the community who uh, are lifting their voices as well to you this morning and seeking wisdom from you, seeking direction from you during this time. We want the gospel to go forth and continue to see people come to the Lord Jesus Christ and acknowledge him as their Lord and Savior. And we pray that you would help us to know new and different ways that we can do that. And we don't change the message. Uh, the message is the same but we certainly can look at new methods of sharing the gospel with people. So we pray for that. We pray that you'd be with our leaders, 
as they continue to guide us. We pray that you would be with those who are sick and not feeling well or many who are in serious physical condition. And so we lift them up to you and ask that you would intercede on their behalf. Father, we also uh, pray for wisdom as we go forward. And we don't want to be a step out of your will. So we pray that you would help us to understand that, to seek after your will, and then finally to be able to do that. So we lift up this time to you. Uh, we, we pray for our offering as well as we take it, that uh, the children, Baptist Children's Home would get great benefit out of this and that they would use it wisely to help young children uh, to have a stable home and to learn about Jesus Christ. We thank you for this time of prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, before we get to the message, we're going to start out with a song. And so you listen to this as well as uh, feel free to partake. There's going to be words that come up on the screen. And you can sing uh, this familiar hymn right along with us on uh, the screen. And so we pray that you would do that. And we will see you in just a few minutes. Savior, every 
It's good to have you back. Uh, I don't know about you, but I just love that song and how it talks about uh, the Trinity and uh, His, ho- uh, you know, God's holiness and just His greatness. And we certainly serve a great God. And it's my pleasure today to bring you to a, a message. It's, it's a third in our series on how God loves us. And first of all, of course, we talk about God the Father and how He loves us, how He created us to have a personal relationship with him and to glorify him by our very lives and what a privilege it is to be able to do that and to be able to have a relation a close relationship with God of course we know that Adam and Eve in the garden uh, of Eden rebelled against God and so uh, fell into sin and that that sin nature has been passed down along to every human being every since except of course the Lord Jesus Christ And so one thing we learned about how he loves us is that he is patient with us. He is long suffering, even with our sin. He does not often uh, immediately judge us for our sin and he rightfully could do that. But because the father loved us and because the son loved us, the father did not even spare his own son, Jesus, but gave Jesus up for us all. And I'm still just amazed at the love that it would take for a father to willingly give his son to die on a cross for the sins of people who had rebelled against him. But Romans 5, 8, a very familiar verse to us says that, but God demonstrates his love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so we know that God loves us and we found out that he is committed to those, to us who believe and trust in his son for all eternity. And then we turn the second week to the fact that Jesus, the Son of God, loves us. And His love is a sacrificial type of love. And many times, you know, also we talked about many times that, of course, the love of the Father, the love of Jesus, the love of the Holy Spirit often overlap in significant ways. But Jesus, I think His love is typified by His sacrifice for us and for our sins. And he sacrificed greatly when he left his heavenly home in order to come and to serve us. The scripture says that the Son of Man came to serve, not to be served. And so he lived his his life as a a sacrificial example for each and every one of us. The life that he lived, his life of integrity, his life of righteousness, his life of love and mercy, 
in his life of faith was an example for us and he sacrificed uh, his heavenly home in order to be able to do that for us. But then of course we know that Jesus sacrificed his very life to save us. And so it's one thing to be an example for us, but it's another for Jesus to allow himself to be placed on a cross so that he could be nailed to it and then pay the penalty for our sin as a substitute for us. And uh, that's just a, a tremendous amount of love that he has for us. And in fact, the Bible says the Father's love, Jesus's love is lavished upon us. It's not given in small amounts, but it's given in great abundance. And so we have very much to be thankful for, but the story really does not end there. And this week we're gonna be talking about and uh, what the scripture says about how the Holy Spirit loves us. Now, one thing I found out in doing the study is that there are not a lot of verses that say the Spirit loves us. And so we have to look at what he has done for us, the things that he has done for us in order to see how the Holy Spirit has loved us. And so let's go to John, our scripture for today. We're gonna to read, be reading out of the book of John uh, chapter 14, and we're going to read verses 16 through 18, and then we're going to look at verse 26 as well. So you follow along with me as I read this, and then we will have a, a moment of prayer, and we'll get into this scripture and just dive right into it, see what it has to say, as well as other scriptures about the Holy Spirit. But John chapter 14, verses 16 through 18 says, and this is Jesus speaking, he said, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And then verse 26 says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send to my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. Let's pray for these verse over these verses as we consider them here this morning. Father, we thank you for the opportunity we have to look at scripture and to see how the Holy Spirit has loved us. And it may not be evident in uh, particular verses where it says that the Holy Spirit loves us, but the way he demonstrates his love comes in ways that are significant to us and that things that we need to know and to understand uh, because ultimately uh, God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit loved us first and that is why we love them. And so help us to under these scriptures as well as other scriptures we'd be looking at so that we might understand how you love us and that we in return might love you and not partially, but with our very own whole hearts. We ask all these sayings in Christ's name, amen. So we're looking at how the Holy Spirit has loved us. Let's talk just real briefly about who the Holy Spirit is. And so sometimes there's a little bit of confusion about this, especially with other uh, cults or religions because they have misidentified what the Holy Spirit is. But the scripture very clearly says that the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is God. His very nature is God. And so we've talked about that briefly in our first lesson about God the Father, about the Trinity, how the Trinity 
is the biblical teaching that there is one God who uh, manifests himself in three different persons. So Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We believe that the Father is God. We believe, believe that the Holy Spirit is God. We believe that Jesus, the Son, is God. And yet there is only one God. And we talked about how incomprehensible this is to us. We don't understand it, but I do by faith accept it because the Bible says that it is so. And so we see that the Holy Spirit has a nature which is divine. He is God, but he is also a person. He's one of the three persons of the Trinity, or as some people speak, the Godhead. And so there is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and yet there is just one God. We do not worship multiple gods. We worship one God. He is a person. The Holy Spirit is a person. He's not a force, not a thing. Some religions would teach that the Holy Spirit is just some kind of a force similar to what is spoken of in maybe some of the movies uh, of Star Wars, this, this force, which is not a person. But we know from Scripture that he is a person. We know that because Jesus and other scriptures refer to the Holy Spirit as being a helper or a counselor or a teacher or a comforter. All those different aspects of the Holy Spirit are characteristics of a real person. And the Holy Spirit is a real person who has come to dwell within us. And so this is our very first way that I can uh, speak to you about is that uh, how the Holy Spirit loves us is that he has come to dwell within every believer in Jesus Christ. And isn't that amazing? Uh, God has always wanted to be with his people. And going back to John chapter 14, verses 16 through 17, Jesus specifically asked the Father uh, to give the disciples another helper because Jesus was going to go away. He was going to be crucified. He was going to raise from the dead and then ascend to the Father. And so he did not want to leave them alone, but said, I will send you a helper. And this is the spirit of truth. This is the Holy Spirit. And he will dwell within us, dwell on the inside of us. And so as I mentioned earlier, God has always desired to live with his people. And that's been true ever since the Garden of Eden. So Adam and Eve were placed in the Garden of Eden. They has a personal relationship with God. They were able to meet with him. They experienced uh, his goodness during the cool of the day, the scripture says. And of course, sin ruined all that, but it didn't ruin God's plan to be with his people. And so God later on, uh, when Moses was delivering the people of Israel from Egypt, uh, he was given instructions who, how to build a tent or a tabernacle that they would erect in the desert. And so they would erect this tabernacle, they would offer sacrifices, and the Shekinah glory of the Lord would enter into the tabernacle at the place where there was this, the mercy seat. And uh, he would dwell once again with his people. And he would follow along with them. He would lead them during the day with a pillar of a cloud and in the night, a pillar of fire. He wanted desperately to be with his people. And so the tabernacle is sacrifices, what they represented, uh, the atonement for their sin allowed God to be with them. And it didn't end there. It goes on 
what followed the tabernacle was the temple in Jerusalem. And the temple in Jerusalem was a stationary tabernacle that was built by King Solomon. And so the purpose, once again, was the same as a tabernacle, that God could dwell with his people uh, in the temple, in the midst of his people. And then eventually the temple was destroyed, and then Jesus comes, God in the flesh, who dwelt among his people. John chapter 1 verse uh, 14 says that, uh, that Jesus was full of grace and truth and that uh, he came and dwelt among his people or tabernacled upon, um, among his people. And so it seems as though God was very close in the Garden of Eden to Adam and Eve. That was destroyed by sin, but he's ever since then tried to get closer and closer to his people. And so finally Jesus appears and he, he's living amongst his people. But then when Jesus died and was raised from the dead, he sends this helper. And this helper is the Holy Spirit who is God who dwells inside each believer. And if you are a believer here today, maybe you've never been taught this, but you have the Holy Spirit within you. And he is the guarantee of our final salvation. This is the great promise of Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 through 14. And it says, the Apostle Paul says, that when you heard the word of truth, the gospel about Jesus, the gospel of your salvation, and when you believed in Jesus Christ, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. And so when you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes right then and there and dwells within inside you. And he is like a seal or a stamp or a guarantee whereby God says, this person is mine and I'm going to see them through by the presence of the Holy Spirit in their life until they make it to me in heaven. And so the Holy Spirit in our lives, he gives us great assurance. We know from Romans chapter 8, verse 26, that the Spirit is there to help in us, us in our weakness. For often we don't know how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes with us with groanings too deep for words. Folks, I know sometimes it's, it's very difficult to pray and just to sit down and focus upon God. But, and we should do that. We should learn to focus better and, and to pray to God. But there's just sometimes when we can't, when the things of the world creep in and maybe anxiety creeps in. But the good news is that once we are saved, that Holy Spirit lives within us and he will intercede for us according to the, to the will of God. And so what a blessing it is to have that Holy Spirit within us and to have the guarantee or the seal of our final salvation. John, 1 John 4, 13 puts this very clear as well. It says, by this we know that we abide in him. We abide or we remain in Christ and he in us because he has given us his spirit. Once again, just a tremendous blessing that he has given us. He's given us his Holy Spirit to dwell within us and that is how he has loved us. He also loves us by living within us, but not only living and being a seal or a guarantee, but empowering us to live a holy life that God wants us to live. You see, God has provided Jesus to save us from our sin, but that 
doesn't only refer to saving us from the punishment of sin, but the very power of sin in our life. And he begins that by giving us spiritual life. You may wonder, well, I've been saved and you know that I have been saved, but how did I get that spiritual life? And we know that we make a choice to follow Jesus, but he works in our heart in such a way that he gives us spiritual life. And Jesus calls that being born again. In a conversation that Jesus had with a Pharisee called Nicodemus, he said this to Nicodemus. He said, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of the water and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. He said, do not be marveled at what I say to you. You must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. You see, at one time, we were spiritually dead. Because of our sin against God, because of our rebellion, because of our uh, relationship with Adam and being descended from him, and our very own sin itself, we were separated from God. We were spiritually dead. It's not like we needed a hospital. We needed to be raised from the dead, and that's exactly what the Holy Spirit does. He causes us from death to be born again, to be raised to a new life in Christ Jesus. Jesus talks about this in John chapter 6, verse 33. He says, it's the Spirit who gives you life. The flesh is of no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. Yes, it's the Spirit who gives life. And I know that we make a choice in this, but I believe that our choice is dependent upon the Holy Spirit causing us to be born again. Being born again is not a result of our faith. Being born again enables our faith. And that is how God saves us. Titus 3.5 is another great verse. It says that he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. Yes, it's the Holy Spirit who enters our life and cleans up our heart, gives us a new heart, causes us to be born again, and sets us back on the right track of following the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he empowers us for life, especially spiritual life. But he also, the Holy Spirit, empowers us for service. Once we become Christians, we are not to just sit at home or not just to even go to church, but we are to be actively serving the Lord Jesus Christ in the ministry and the great commission that he has given us to tell everyone everywhere about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Acts 1.8, a verse that we have come to know very well as we've been studying the book of Acts, says that you will receive power, this is Jesus saying to his disciples, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so there was a day when the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came to the disciples and empowered them to do great and mighty things. They boldly preached the gospel. I mean, they were not 
They were not hiding at all. They were out front telling all the people, even those people who were against them about the Lord Jesus Christ. And so they weren't timid, but they boldly preached the gospel. This is not something that is within us. And you might say, well, I can never be that bold in my faith. Oh, yes, you can. Because if you are a true believer in Christ, you have the Holy Spirit within you and the boldness will come from him. He will provide that for you. He will also empower us uh, for service by giving us spiritual gifts. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 7 says that to each believer is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And so these spiritual gifts, gifts such as teaching or prophecy or helps or administration or serving um, or a word of knowledge, all of these were given so that we might work together and serve Christ together by building up the church, I believe both numerically and spiritually in, in, in a in a way of maturity. And so once again, we see that the Spirit helps us in our weakness. He gives these, these, these gifts to enable us to do things that we normally could not do for ourselves. Yes, the Holy Spirit empowers us and it's, it's just wonderful that He has given that to us. The Holy Spirit also purifies us. In other words, He loves us enough to tell us when we're doing something wrong. And I find this type of love more and more infrequent in our world today. The courage, which I believe will come from the Holy Spirit to confront people when they are doing wrong, not as a judgment against them, but as an accountability to hold them to the commitment that they made to the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit obviously helps us in this. He lovingly convicts us of our sins so we might not continue in behaviors that harm us or bring disrepute upon the name of Christ. I know if you fully understand what Jesus Christ has done for you on the cross, then you love him. And the one thing I do not want to do is to harm his reputation or to harm him in any way by sinning against him. And so the Holy Spirit is given to us to point out to us, hey, this is not in accordance with God's word. I love you enough to tell you this so that this behavior does not become a detriment to you or bring disrepute upon the name of Christ. And so the Holy Spirit points out those things, but he also brings good things into our life for our good and for us to flourish in this life as well as the life to come. 1 Timothy 4, 7 and 8, I've always loved this verse because it not only talks about the benefits of godliness or holiness, holiness in this life, but also the life to come. It says, have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourselves in godliness. For while bodily training or physical training is of some value, Godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. When the Holy Spirit convicts us of our sin and holds us accountable, He's doing it because it's going to benefit us in this life, and it's also going to benefit us in the life to come as we are conformed to the image of Christ. In other words, He works in our lives 
to bring about obedience to Jesus Christ. We were saved from our sin, but we were also saved to be obedient because that is the very best place for us to be. Think about a loving father who watches over and protects his children. That is what God the Father is, and that is what the, the Holy Spirit helps when he disciplines us, is to help keep us on a path that is safe for us, and it is good for God's glory. The Holy Spirit loves us by being our helper in this Christian life. He is a, God, a guide to God's people. Romans 8.14 says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Are you being led by the Holy Spirit? I mean, that, that may seem uh, a very straightforward question at this point, but are you being led by the Holy Spirit? Do you pray to God daily and ask for His leading? We should be doing that. But it's so easy for us to just continue on with our day as we see fit. But we would be much better off. I would be much better off. Freedom would be much better off if every day we ask the Holy Spirit to lead and guide us for that day. Amen. We are to walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And that just means we don't do what our selfish selves want to do, but we look to the Holy Spirit for guidance. There's a kind of a long section of scripture in Galatians. I'm not going to read all of that, but you can look that up later. But Galatians 5, 16 through 28, just portions of those verses are very important to us here today. And Paul is telling the Galatians to walk by the Spirit. In, others, in other words, see which way the, the Holy Spirit is going. Determine by reading your Bible what is God's will and walk in that way. Walk in the way of the Spirit. Don't walk in your own way. And the, and the Scripture clearly says that if we are led by the Spirit, we are not under the law. We do not want to be under law. We want to be under grace. And so we should be led by the Holy Spirit. And then he tells us that if we follow the lead of the Holy Spirit and see Him as our guide, that there's a certain fruit that we will bear. Our character will begin to change. Verse 22 of that Galatians chapter 5 says that the fruit of the Spirit, in other, in other words, when we walk according to the Spirit, we are going to exhibit character qualities such as love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, don't you think that our world could use some of that? those kind of characteristics expressed to them. I really think that would change a lot of things. If we as Christians would but follow the lead of the Holy Spirit and we would exhibit the fruit of the Spirit, I, I think it would be life-changing. I think it would be cultural-changing. Cultural I think it would be nation-changing. And so the Holy Spirit is our guide. He is also a teacher to us and a counselor. Uh, when we need help, when we need wisdom, we can ask of God and He will give it through the Holy Spirit. We can find that in His Word and He confirms it through the Holy Spirit, testifying uh, that we are children of God and that He is there to counsel us and guide us. And so, He certainly is a wonderful 
helper to us. And then finally, the final point I want to speak about today about the Holy Spirit's love for us is that he unifies the church. In the early days of the uh, disciples and the apostles, when the church was first being formed, they saw great unity, even in the midst of adversity. And it seems like today in our churches, just the smallest bit of adversity can cause disunity in our church. We, could, we become somehow more self-centered and thinking of ourselves, and we don't think so much about the other person. And so Paul tells the Philippians in chapter 2, verses 1 to, one to 2 of his book, uh, Letter to Them, he says, So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Paul desperately knew that the church needs to be unified, and it is the Holy Spirit ultimately who provides that, the power to do that, the forgiveness that requires that. Because let's admit it, uh, forgiveness is one thing that can destroy unity in the church, a lack of forgiveness. And to forgive as Christ forgave us is a supernatural act. It's not something that we can do in our own strength. We must look to and depend upon the Holy Spirit to bring about that ability to forgive others and so protect the unity of our church. We must be as Ephesians 4, 3 says, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Without unity, we're just individual players trying to do our own thing. But with unity, there's a chemistry that the church has by which we can get the work of Christ done and complete his mission. And so God has loved us in so many ways. And the Holy Spirit himself we have seen today, loves us in so many ways. He dwells within us. Think of what that must be like <laughs> for a Holy Spirit to live within us. And we know that we are in no wise uh, holy ourselves. And so we must be careful not to quench the Spirit. But He lives within us. That's, that's a demonstration of the extent of the love that He has for us. He empowers us to live a holy life, a, pure, a life of purity. And he is able to do that. He asks us to put away our old selves and to put on Christ. He is our helper, our counselor, our teacher, our guide. He's the one that when we speak to others will bring to remembrance all that Jesus spoke of and give us the very words that we need to say so that we can have that boldness to share Christ. And finally, he unifies the church who are the believers in Christ. And so how shall we respond today? Ultimately, each one of these lessons is an opportunity for us to respond by falling down on our knees, falling down on our face, putting our hands between our face and praising and worshiping God. But also I think today we need to understand we need to receive His love into our life. We, we need to acknowledge, yes, God, I understand you love me. I want to love you back in return. I want to surrender my whole life to you. And maybe there's a person who's watching this today and you do not know Christ as your Lord and Savior. 
then I can tell you that the Bible says God's will, God's desire for you today is to trust in him as Lord and Savior. And that means place all of your faith and trust in him. Don't try to save yourself, but understand that on the cross, he has done everything required for you to be saved. You must merely trust and obey him. And so it is my prayer today that you would make these decisions, that you would surrender your life to him, and that you would believe on the Lord Jesus Christ today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time and we ask that you would do a mighty work even as this recording may be going out and not necessarily live, I, I still believe that it will speak to people and encourage them to surrender everything that they have to the Lord Jesus Christ and to be thankful for how each part of the Trinity, each person of the Trinity have loved us. What an amazing God you are. And we thank you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I 